the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. James Blend is engineering and producing today's program. And in addition to covering some of the top news stories of the day, we're going to focus our attention on the lighter side of the news. I hope you are uh, planning to join us for the full of the program. I'll also let you know what's happening next week as Thanksgiving falls uh, toward the, I guess, the right side of Wednesday. And we have some special programming we're going to be featuring. Taking a look at some of the developing news stories of the day, a hand recount was underway in Florida's bitter battle for the U.S. Senate between Republican Governor Rick Scott and incumbent Democratic Senator Bill Nelson. The Broward County official Brenda Snipes is embroiled in a new controversy after her uh, her county submitted its machine recount numbers a few minutes late in validating the whole tally. Now, some are suggesting that was intentional. We'll leave that to others to speculate about. President Trump is expected to visit California over the weekend to assess the damage to areas ravaged by wildfires over the past week. The White House said authorities also say the death toll from the campfire is now up to 63 with 631 people unaccounted for. The Justice Department is preparing to prosecute WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange and is increasing uh, increasingly confident he could face trial here in the United States, according to a report. A federal judge is expected to announce uh, whether he will order the Trump administration to restore CNN correspondent Jim Acosta's White House press credentials. They've since done that. While the lawsuit goes forward, those credentials have been restored to him. And North Korea has tested an ultra-modern tactical weapon under the observation of Kim Jong-un, state media reported on Friday. Well, a legally uh, required hand recount in Florida's battle over the U.S. Senate Uh, is uh, underway after an initial review of the machine ballot showed Republican Governor Rick Scott and incumbent Democratic Senator Bill Nelson separated by fewer than 13,000 votes. Under Florida state law, a manual count is required if the margin of victory between the candidates is less than 0.25 percent. But the manual recount doesn't come without controversy. All eyes are once again locked on Broward County and its troubled supervisor of elections, Brenda Snipes. An official said her county had uploaded the results of its recount two minutes after the state's 3 p.m. Eastern time deadline, making its machine recount tally void. Instead, Broward County's results from last Tuesday's election will stand until the manual recount totals come in on Sunday uh, afternoon or at least at noon or maybe 1202. GOP Senate candidate Rick Scott's campaign charged Snipes intentionally submitted late results so that they could be invalidated. In the recount, Nelson lost more votes than Scott, meaning Scott would be uh, seen uh, would have seen a net gain of 779 votes if Snipes hadn't been late. Thursday's mistake in Broward is just the latest in a series of missteps for the largely Democratic county. And President Trump uh, is expected to travel to California over the weekend. The president said uh, on Saturday that he'll visit uh, those who've been affected by the flames. White House Deputy 
Press Secretary Lindsay Walter said the campfire burning in Northern California has killed at least 63. Butte County Sheriff Corey Hanoi uh, said on Thursday night, 631 people um, are unaccounted for as well. The blaze, which is 40 percent contained, has burned through 140,000 acres, destroyed more than 800, uh, rather 8,700 homes since it erupted on the 8th of November, according to the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. And WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange is reportedly facing the prospect of prosecution by the U.S. Justice Department. A variety of potential charges have been talked about recently among U.S. prosecutors, the Wall Street Journal reported today, citing sources familiar with the details. And while those potential charges have yet to be determined, it's possible that they could include espionage, uh, the Espionage Act, the journal reported. The Washington Post reported today that Assange has already been charged and that prosecutors inadvertently revealed the development of an unsealed court filing. And why is this important? Well, Russia's special counsel Robert Mueller is believed to be uh, close to ending his investigations. WikiLeaks is facing a federal grand jury investigation over its publication of American diplomatic and military secrets stemming from the war in Iraq. The website also gained attention amid the 2016 presidential election when Russian spies allegedly gave WikiLeaks emails from the Hillary Clinton campaign in a bid to help elect then-candidate Donald Trump. Assange has denied getting the files from the Russian government or backing the Trump campaign. Assange has been holed up inside the education embassy in Lumba, uh, London rather, since 2012 when British courts ordered his, uh, him extradited to Sweden to face questioning in the sexual assault case that he's also been uh, charged in. That case has been dropped, but WikiLeaks supporters have claimed that Assange fears being extradited to the United States if he leaves the embassy. And a federal judge announced today that uh, he would order the Trump administration to restore the White House press credentials of CNN reporter Jim Acosta while the lawsuit filed against the administration over its uh, revocation goes forward. U.S. District Judge, uh, Court Judge Timothy Keller, an appointee of the Trump administration, has uh, scheduled a hearing for Friday morning to announce his decision, which was done earlier in the day. CNN has asked the court uh, for an order that would force the White House to immediately hand back the credentials that gave Acosta access to the White House complex for press briefings and other events. CNN wants Acosta's credentials restored while that lawsuit uh, moves forward and remains in litigation. Well, CNN sued the Trump administration after the White House revoked uh, Acosta's press access following a contentious exchange with the president during a news conference in which Acosta refused to let others, uh, other press, uh, to ask questions after the president had asked and uh, had answered several of his. And North Korean leader Kim Jong-un observed the successful test of an unspecified, newly developed, ultra-modern tactical weapon. State media reported today in an apparent bid to apply pressure on the United States and South Korea with a stalemated nuclear diplomacy talks pending. It didn't appear to be a nuclear device or a long-range missile targeting the mainland of the United States, a string of which last year had uh, many fearing war before the North turned to engagement and diplomacy early this year. Still, any mention of weapons testing could influence the direction of the currently stalled diplomacy between Washington and Pyongyang that's meant... uh, Uh, to rid the North of its nuclear weapons. 
And finally, President Trump sat down with Chris Wallace for an interview that will air this weekend on Fox News Sunday. The exclusive interview will be with Wallace's, uh, rather will be his first with the president since he took office. Wallace will talk to the president about his domestic and foreign policy agenda following the midterm elections where Democrats took control of the House and uh, much more. That interview will be um, seen at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, which means 11 o'clock our time, and 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 4 o'clock our time. And on this day in 2006, Democrats embraced rather Nancy Pelosi as the first woman House Speaker in history, but then select Steny Hoyer as majority leader against her wishes. Well, another showdown is expected in another week and a half or so when that same decision will have to be made by the majority in the House. Democrats will just uh, to determine who their speaker will be moving forward. And on this day in 1959, the Rogers and Hammerstein musical, The Sound of Music, opens on Broadway. Fifteen minutes after four o'clock is our time. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Twenty minutes after four o'clock, you're listening to the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, investigators in California revealed uh, Thursday night that another seven sets of human remains have been found in the northern part of the state's campfire, bringing the total number of people killed to 63. Butte County Sheriff Corey Hanoi said that of those found dead, 53 have been positively identified. Three of the bodies were found in Paradise, a town of 27,000 that has been destroyed by the Inferno. Another three were found in uh, Megalia, and one was discovered in Concow. Uh, The number of people who remain unaccounted for in the Northern California area increased to 631 uh, by more than 500 people, according to officials, some 52,000 people have been displaced. The wildfire that started on the 8th of this month remains the deadliest in California state history, leaving more than 8,500 structures destroyed, 140,000 acres of land scorched. It was 40 percent contained as of last night. The president is scheduled to travel to the Golden State on Saturday to visit victims of the fire in both the northern and southern ends. Of the state. The president's supposed to pay a visit to those who've been affected. Uh, the White House uh, press secretary announced, saying, We will keep you updated on details as they are available. In Southern California, the Woolsey Fire has reportedly left three people dead there. The wildfire has destroyed roughly 500 structures in Malibu and in neighboring, and in neighboring areas as it's uh, burned more than 98,000 acres with a 62% containment. Stacey Abrams, the Democrat in Georgia's governor's race, acknowledged today that she cannot defeat her Republican opponent, Brian Kemp, but she vowed to file a federal lawsuit challenging the gross mismanagement of the state's elections. Abrams' address uh, to her supporters essentially concluded her bid for the governor's mansion, the final result of which had been in doubt since Election Day. But she noted that she was not officially conceding the race. While describing a variety of issues at the polls, she said that the state failed its voters. I acknowledge that former Secretary of State Brian Kemp will be certified as the victor in the 2018 gubernatorial election. But to watch an elected official who claims to represent the people in this state badly pin his hopes for election on the suppression of people's democratic rights to vote has been truly appalling. Uh, So let's be clear, this is not a speech of concession. I'm not quite sure what it is, but it falls somewhere between I'm not going to be the governor and I'm not going to give up fighting for the governor's uh, seat. Uh, Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true or proper, 
Uh, as a woman of conscience and faith, she went on to say, I, kinda, I cannot concede that, but my assessment is the law currently allows no further viable remedy. Well, unofficial returns in the state put Kemp ahead of Abrams with roughly 50.2% of the votes, uh, more than 3.9 million votes ahead. Uh, the standing gave him about 18,000 votes above the threshold required to win by a majority and avoid a December 4th runoff. Meanwhile, in Florida, DeSantis uh, looks certain to win the governorship, but Democrats won't give up the fight there and in other races, which will uh, most likely bleed over into next week. Well, people have to behave, the president said. And when asked about Friday's ruling by U.S. District Court of the District of Columbia, Judge Timothy Kelly Uh, giving CNN a temporary restraining order requiring the White House to return CNN White House correspondent Jim Acosta's press pass, said we're writing up rules and regulations. Speaking to reporters said after signing a bill on cybersecurity and infrastructure security, I think you were uh, treated very unfairly, both of you, because you had uh, somebody interrupting you with the rules and regulations. We will end up back in court and we will win. The president said, asked what he means about rules and regulations. The president said, decorum, you can't take three questions and four questions and you can't stand up and not sit down. We want total freedom of the press. It's more important to me than anybody would believe. But you have to act with respect. You're at the White House. And when I see the way some of my people get treated at news conferences, it's terrible, he said. So we're setting up a certain standard, which is what the court is requesting and always freedom of the press, always First Amendment. And that's just the way it is, the president said. And that was a quote. The president said that members of the administration always have the option of leaving, adding that the other media and press in the room won't be happy. Well, the judge didn't rule on whether the president uh, and his aides violated Acosta's First Amendment rights by suspending his uh, uh, hard pass in the first place. Kelly did, the judge, however, rule that CNN's Fifth Amendment argument that Acosta was denied due process before revoking his press pass, thus um, uh, garnering a temporary relief uh, by ordering Acosta's pass be returned. I will grant the application for the temporary restraining order. I order the government re- uh, reinstate that pass, the judge said. The temporary injunction uh, lasts uh, for 14 days, after which time CNN can apply for a permanent injunction. Meanwhile, the lawsuit continues to make its way through the courts. And NASA warns for a long, cold winter. It could hit space in months, bringing record low temperatures. Uh, a long, cold winter could uh, be our plight for the uh, for the coming months. That's the warning from a scientist who fears uh, sunspot activity on the surface of our star has dropped so low that record low temperatures could soon set in. We see a cooling trend, said Martin, whose last name I will not uh, attempt to pronounce, of NASA's Langley Research Center. High above Earth's surface near the edge of space, our atmosphere is losing heat energy, he said. If current trends continue, it could soon uh, set a space age record for cold. Solar uh, minimum can enhance the effects of space we- uh, space weather, rather disrupt communications and navigation, and even cause space junk to hang around. NASA said he and his colleagues have recently introduced the Thermosphere Climate Index, which measure how much that nitric oxide molecules are dumping into space. Uh, how much heat, rather. The results come from a SABER instrument on board NASA's timed satellite that monitor infrared emissions that 
from carbon dioxide, CO2, and nitric oxide, NO. Uh, by measuring the infrared glow of these molecules, Sabre can assess the thermal state of gas on, uh, as a, at the very top of the atmosphere, a layer researcher called the uh, thermosphere. When the thermosphere cools, it shrinks, making a radius of the Earth's atmosphere smaller, and that means it can delay the natural uh, decay of space junk, resulting in a more cluttered environment around the Earth. Right now, it's very low indeed, uh, he went on to say, speaking to Space Weather. Sabre is currently measuring 33 billion watts of infrared power with um, nitric oxide. That's 10 times smaller than we see during more active phases of the solar cycle. The thermosphere always cools off during solar minimum. It's one of the most important ways that the solar cycle affects our planet, he went on to say. We're not uh, there quite yet, uh, he said, uh, speaking of the record cold, but it could happen in a matter of months. Could, might, may not. We don't know. The most famous example of a prolonged sunspot minimum is the uh, Maunder minimum, referring to a period around 1645 to 1715, during which sunspots um, became exceedingly rare. Maunder coincided with the middle part of the Little Ice Age, when Europe and North America experienced colder temperatures, fueling speculation that the two were connected. However, the prevailing hypothesis for the causes of the Little Ice Age is that it was the result of volcanic action, meaning that a decline in solar activity was not the main cause. So for what it's worth, we think this is a possibility. We don't really know if it's going to happen. So there you have it. I'm not sure why uh, we report widely on those kinds of things when there's so much uncertainty, but there you have it. Well, Thanksgiving is just around the corner. I can hardly believe it. We'll tell you a little bit about uh, what you can anticipate this Thanksgiving as you're preparing your feast and uh, hopefully a, a season of Thanksgiving. So we'll get into that later in the program. Also, we'll let you know what next week looks like in terms of the uh, short broadcast week and some Thanksgiving specials that we'll be offering for you. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in just a few. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 33 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, Thanksgiving dinner is getting cheaper, and I'm not sure where these numbers come from, because as I calculate the dinner I'll be serving on Thanksgiving, it comes to a whole lot more than this suggests. But Lieb Capital CEO Steve Lieb and uh, uh, Fox Business News Charlie Gasparino um, have come up with some figures that tell us that Thanksgiving dinner is getting less expensive than we've seen in previous years. The average American family will spend 22% less on Thanksgiving dinner this year than they did last year, according to the results of the American Farm Bureau Federation's annual survey that was released yesterday. A Thanksgiving meal large enough to feed 10 people, there'll be 13 at my house, costs $48.90 this year. Who can feed 10 people for $48.90? Okay, a Thanksgiving meal. They're talking about the whole meal. The turkey alone will cost you more than that. Anyway, that's down 22% from last year's average price tag of $49.12. This year's feasts will cost less than $5 per person. I'm not sure what they're serving in this Thanksgiving feast, but again, mine will cost considerably more than that. Thanksgiving dinner costs are at their lowest level since 2010 and have now fallen for three straight years, according to this uh, research, John Newton being the uh, chief economist. The affordable costs are attributable to, um, at least in part, to the cheaper price of turkeys, which sank um, 3% 
to $21.71 per 16-pound bird. Now, if they use that to to calculate the um, cost of feeding 10 people, that's a pretty small bird for that many people, but, you know. Thanks to an ample supply, turkey remains affordable to consumers, they say, which helps keep the overall cost of the dinner reasonably priced as well, uh, they say in a um, in a statement. So, James, what do you do? Do you guys... Uh, have Thanksgiving at home? Do you go to a uh, parent or parent-in-law's home? What's your Thanksgiving thing? We uh, actually go multiple places, as can happen on holidays. Uh, so it's a warm-up for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you do that? You have dessert one place, the meal another. How do you work that out? Well, I mean, that's what we'll wind up doing to an extent. But uh, for this year, for the first time, uh, dinners are not at the same time. Um, there's an earlier dinner. We, we start, uh, we start the evening with, uh, my aunt and uncle and my dad and, uh, then work our way to my wife's parents house and her family and whatnot. And, uh, this time normally dinners, you know, there's one at five and the others at six and they overlap and, you know, you're doing dinner at one and dessert at the other. And inevitably somebody is getting the, the shorter end of the, uh, of the deal. Be, uh, but this year, Dinner at one's at two, and the other's four thirty. So it's kind of like we could have two dinners if we wanted to. I don't think we will, but we could. <laughs> well, it is awfully tempting. It's such a beautiful table, and I have to say, the Thanksgiving table is my favorite all-time meal. I love the turkey and the dressing and the sweet potatoes and the mashed potatoes and the just every and cranberries. I have to have cranberry that uh, collection of food together all at once, and then pumpkin pie. It's just it's just an incredible. Uh, combination and apparently it's going to cost us less to put together. I need a twenty-pound turkey to feed all the folks that will come to my house, and I I'm guessing it's going to cost quite a bit more than this survey suggests. But nonetheless, it'll cost me less this year than it did the year before. So that's a good thing. The challenge is um, being in the singing Christmas tree. We have rehearsals Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday evenings, and then Thursday I have to start early, early in the morning to put everything together. Uh, clean up everything, and then the first performance of the Singing Christmas Tree is the Friday immediately following Thanksgiving. So it's a very busy, busy season. But I guarantee the turkey will be cooked to perfection, she says by faith. One new thing that you can uh, you can do this year with just a week to go until Thanksgiving, it's time to buy your turkey. But this year, you can also read about your turkey story with a tracker code. I don't know. I want my turkey to be anonymous. I want to know as you know little about it as possible because you don't want to make this personal. But turkey trackers are being used for the first time on uh, Genio and Honeysuckle White turkeys. Uh, they are subsidiaries of Hormel Foods and Cargill. Thank you. Says Logan Ash of St. Louis Park. I think it's great. I think it's good to be educated on where your food comes from. Now, I don't mind knowing where my food comes from, but I don't want to know its parents' name and all the details about, you know, when he started school and all of that. Well, the interactive online activity allows shoppers to plug in the Meet Your Farmer code found on fresh honeysuckle white turkeys. You can find information about what farm and where the turkey came from, the family who raised it, and even things like their favorite family tradition. I'm assuming they mean the 
human family and not the turkey family. On the Ginny O turkeys, it's a five-digit code on the back of the turkey tag that starts with a nine. Shoppers use that to pull up more information about the turkey online. It's kind of cool since farm-to-table is huge, especially with salmonella outbreaks. It's probably a smart idea to do it, says Sarah Vergen of someplace, somewhere. Well, the current salmonella outbreak has been linked to raw turkey, but it includes ground turkey and turkey patty products, so not whole turkeys. And while producers, um, a producer hasn't been identified, several shoppers said it's a reminder to know more about where all your food comes from. Uh, For some that don't need to know, it's a little too personal, but nonetheless, Minnesota is the number one producer of turkeys. The majority of at least Jenny O turkeys are raised uh, there and in Wisconsin. So if you'd like to know more about the turkey that will uh, be joining you for dinner on Thanksgiving, there you have it. You can learn more. I think I'll just uh, become friends with it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Save the trouble. Yeah. Again, I don't really want to. I appreciate that there are farmers who produce those uh, turkeys. I have uh, high regard and respect for them. I don't really want to know a whole lot more about the turkey now. I do like the anonymous transaction aspect to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, carve Bob at the table. I want (laughs) just, there's a turkey. I mean, you know, the the last thing you need is like a, you know, a a, a childhood photo of your turkey on the tag (laughs) there. This is what, this is what your turkey once looked like. Here's a picture of the grieving parents. You know, it's just not. No, that's just wrong. That's wrong. It is. Well, police in Massachusetts shared a video of a suspect considered armed and delicious. A turkey that aggressively chased after a patrol car. Wow. Officer Darren Derby of the Cheshire Police Department shared a video of the turkey running after Officer Dylan Bedalowski's squad car while he drove at a slow speed on a city road. Uh, Derby said that the turkey had attempted to climb into the vehicle through an open window when the officer started driving away. Any information on the whereabouts of this subject, please call the Cheshire Police Department. Do not approach the subject at he, as he is considered armed and delicious, according to Darby. Now, now I, w- I want to warn you and ahead, ahead of time, Georgine, if you need to flex any muscles in your eyes so that you don't hurt them when rolling them here, <laughs> um, I just want to make sure because I know you're a little, we're a little out of practice on the Friday fun. So, yeah. you know. uh, but uh, are, are we saying this turkey ran afoul of the law? Yes, da-dun-dun, we are. Yeah, okay. Thank you, James. You're welcome. Well, Buffalo Wild Wings released their pumpkin spice chicken wings. <laughs> Twitter uh, Twitter users were a little upset by the whole thing. I mean, we've taken pumpkin spice to the absolute limit. We're not sure anybody asked for this, um, Buffalo Wild Wings says. You can find just about anything pumpkin spice flavored on the market nowadays, including deodorant, mole sauce, Cheese, dog treats, sausage, and soda. Uh, we can't say we ever saw this coming, but we can now tack chicken wings onto that ever-growing list. As I mentioned, Buffalo Wild Wings has released a new limited edition pumpkin ale sauce made from uh, barbecue seasoning and pumpkin spice, and Twitter isn't having it. Some things should just never occur, thought better of you, wrote one. <laughs> Uh, I thought they were um, disgusting. My wife thought they were good. My wife doesn't uh, have questionable taste. She married me, said yet another. So pumpkin spice has made its way into another area where perhaps it should have feared to trod. Pumpkin spice chicken wings. I know you're a chicken wing aficionado, James. Your thoughts on the pumpkin spice chicken wing? You know, I'm not into the pumpkin spice thing at all, period. 
I just don't like it. So that would not would I mean, not appeal to you. No, it wouldn't appeal to me. There, I, I have not tried anything, quote unquote, pumpkin spice that I liked. Well, you'll be happy to know that this is a limited uh, offering. Um, the question is, will this sweet and savory combination touch your autumn loving soul or will it be just another pumpkin spice product that's taken the flavor too far? You'll have to decide for yourselves, but uh, it will be gone sooner rather than later. And then there's this Taco Bell is getting into the uh, the uh, spirit of the season. They're offering holiday sweaters and Thanksgiving recipes. Taco Bell is uh, trading turkeys for tacos and getting in the holiday spirit this Thanksgiving. The Yum Brands uh, fast food chain partnered with Tipsy Elves to release a line of taco-themed sweaters and leggings fit for the holidays so fans can showcase exactly what they're grateful for. And that, of course, would be Taco Bell. The red sweater says, thankful for Taco Bell, while the blue one reads, happy Friendsgiving, alongside and uh, uh, images, rather, of a taco turkey. It's the taco shell with the drumsticks coming out of either side. Each sweater will um, set customers back about $59, and the leggings, which are covered with tacos, about $28. Some items have already sold out, but don't despair. A Taco Bell spokesperson confirmed that the uh, chain is looking forward to bringing back more festive gear very soon. Aside from apparel, Taco Bell is also advising people on their Thanksgiving Day menus. The company released a recipe for a fire tortilla chip crusted chicken, perfect for a Taco Bell Friendsgiving. Well, this isn't the first time Taco Bell has gotten into the fashion industry. The brand teamed up with Forever 21 last year. They debuted a a clothing line, an accessory collection. And Taco Bell isn't the only fast food restaurant getting in on the holiday sweater craze. Whataburger, or What-A-Burger, recently released an um, orange and white sweater featuring its iconic logo along with Christmas trees, snowflakes, and french fries. Because you can't have Christmas, apparently, without french fries. Well, those sweaters which costs about $42.99, sold out the morning after they debuted, according to a spokesperson, which explains why they keep producing this kind of swag for fast food restaurants. Oh, by the way, Jimmy Dean, uh, they're offering some gifts that include sausage-scented wrapping paper. Nothing says Christmas like sausage-scented wrapping paper. Well, sausage maker Jimmy Dean is asking customers to trade photos of their favorite dishes for free gifts, including sausage-scented wrapping paper. Try saying that quickly three times. The company said the Jimmy Dean um, Recipe Gift Exchange offers a variety of free gifts that customers can exchange for photos of dishes cooked from the company's featured sausage recipes. The exchange involves three steps. Step number one. Cook one of Jimmy Dean's featured sausage recipes. Step number two, submit a picture of your dish to JimmyDeanGiftExchange.com. Step number three, select which one of the several free gifts you would like to receive. The free gifts include sausage-scented wrapping paper, a glass Christmas tree ornament shaped like or a packaged Jimmy Dean sausage, an ugly Christmas sweater printed apron, and a vinyl Christmas album recorded by Jimmy Dean himself way back in 1965. Now, that ought to get your skillet sizzling. Well, the company said one participant will also win a $10,000 diamond-studded belt buckle inspired by Jimmy Dean's famous signature belt buckle. So there you go. I will say, though, unfortunately, at this time, as can happen with law holiday items, the sausage-scented uh, wrapping paper is currently out of stock on oh, Jimmy Dean's webpage. Oh, I'm so sorry. 
I'm thinking to myself, hey, I've got a birthday at least. I mean, you know, it's six months away, but still, never too early to start preparing. Well, there you go. All right, 47 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 52 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, McDonald's is testing a new product, cheesy bacon fries in select markets. I did note that Wendy's already has something very like that, so I'm not sure why they're testing. But nonetheless, they are testing cheesy bacon fries. Um, Well, they're giving the world's famous fries uh, something of a makeover. I've been twice now this week because I've just I'm not sleeping well. And so I'm getting my lunch at McDonald's. And both times the fries were not hot. It was very distressing. Uh, But nonetheless, perhaps these cheesy bacon fries in select markets will be an improvement. The fast food chain, known for its uh, crispy, straight-cut French fries, is testing these new cheesy bacon fries at select locations across the country, according to a spokesperson from the the restaurant. The fries, which are topped with a gooey, real cheddar cheese sauce and smoked bacon bits, will be available um, in California and Hawaii. Hmm. I guess we won't be trying them here. The new fries, uh, which will cost three fifty or three seventy five, are not the first time the Golden Arches has tried experimenting with its signature side. Last year, the chain tested a product called Loaded Bacon and Cheese Basket of Fries at its Chicago location, which offers an international menu. The Loaded Bacon and Cheese Basket is a menu item uh, on McDonald's menus, also in Australia, but that's a regular item. If you want to try them, though, um, you'll have to do it quick. The new Let's see. French fry dish um, is only around for a limited time in limited locations. Now, does that does that sound appealing to you? French fries with a cheese sauce and bacon. No, I'm. I'm uh, yeah, me neither. Do you say I don't like things? On, I mean, it, it, I might like all three ingredients separately, but for whatever reason, in that combined, it does. It, I mean, because you know, we we discussed it many times on the show. I have no problems with bacon whatsoever. Um, and I love fries, but, uh, you know, the cheese sauce just depends on the cheese sauce, but overall together, no, not really interested. Yeah. It doesn't really appeal to me either. Uh, And then there's this millennials are being blamed for the decline in American cheese. Now this is something we could celebrate together. Perhaps American cheese is melting away and apparently millennials are to blame. The popular dairy product has seen decreased sales for the fourth straight year in a row. U.S. sales of processed cheese brands like Kraft Singles and Velveeta have seen a drop of 1.6% this year, with prices dipping below $4 a pound for the first time in seven years. That's according to a new report. The product, made famous by the the greatest generation, devoured by boomers on the go and touted as the basis of macaroni and cheese, the well-documented love object of Gen X, has met with uh, met its match rather with millennials demanding nourishment from ingredients that are both recognizable and pronounceable, according to the report. <coughs> now, American cheese is pronounceable but recognizable in terms of the ingredients that make it up. I probably couldn't read a list. Uh, regardless of what or who is causing the slow demise of those typically bright orange squares, many food outlets are replacing the melty stuff often used on grilled cheese sandwiches and cheeseburgers with fancier options. Wendy's, um, A&W Canada, McDonald's, Cracker Barrel, Panera Bread, 
They've all made menu changes that reflect the trend to gravitate away from American cheese. Uh, Wendy's is offering Asiago cheese. I don't know what it is, but it tastes pretty good. A&W's Canada location switched to real cheddar. McDonald's is selling the Big Mac uh, soft orange square of American cheese with a version that doesn't contain artificial preservatives. Cracker Barrel ditched the old, uh, its old-fashioned grilled cheese. So did Panera Bread, replacing American uh, with a four-cheese combo of uh, Fontina cheddar and a couple of others. Smoked Gouda, I think, is one of them, according to the report. Well, American cheese isn't the first thing millennials have, um, have been blamed for killing. An August article in Philadelphia magazine accuses the generation of turning on mayonnaise. Wow. Clearly, there's something more on this, um, more to this river of resentment than the uh, mixture of eggs and oil. And it's obvious to me that the um, condimental divide, they're calling it, the condimental divide can be traced to young folks' rejection of what they sneeringly consider a boring white food, referring to its color and nothing beyond that. So don't get excited. Anyway, American cheese on its way out. Now, I, I think American cheese was the result of shortages that required creativity to try to simulate what wasn't uh, as widely available. But nonetheless, American cheese on the way out. Um, that other stuff, what's the spam? That seems to still be going strong. Yeah, actually, it predates, it does predate that a little bit. I'm just, I'm actually reading up, I'm educating myself on the history of American cheese. Uh, it dates back to 1851. Really? Yep. What's, the the what's first American of? cheese factory. Uh, I can give you the ingredients. In fact, let me just scroll down here, and I'll be happy to tell you, courtesy of our friends, our new friends at Spoon University. Yes, that's their name. Uh, let's see, where was it? it was, it's very vague. Uh, um, when I get to it here. Okay. Um, cheddar cheese, whey, uh, water, protein concentrate, milk, sodium citrate, calcium phosphate, milk fat, Gelatin, salt, sodium phosphate, lactic acid as a producer, uh, preservative, annatto and paprika extract for color, enzymes, vitamin A, uh, cheese culture, and vitamin D3. Mmm, grilled cheese stuff. So there, there's, there's stuff in the, there, there is, uh, um, there is a cheese in here, but uh, it, it has become less and less cheese over the years. It used to have more yeah. Colby and cheddar and stuff in there, and. Uh, but now a lot of brands are selling uh, American cheese that's less than 51% cheese. Well, there you have it. And, of course, sales are declining. Well, the 35-year-old man reportedly married his computer hologram, surrounded by nearly 40 people. The 35-year-old... Were, were they real? Um, I couldn't tell you. Anyway, the 35-year-old man reportedly married a virtual hologram earlier this month. Uh, he works at a middle school in Japan, and he wed... Hatsune Miku, a hologram that was created by a computer as singing software on the 4th of November, Reuters is reporting. The hologram, which takes the form of a teen performer, is a singing voice synthesizer featured over um, 100,000, featuring rather, over 100,000 songs. Uh, according to the online description from Krypton Future Media, the company whose program the character is modeled on, in a statement, the company said they're not involved in any way in this 
wedding ceremony, and we have no knowledge of it outside of what uh, has been reported. Marriage with a character has no legal validity, and this event should be uh, of no concern um, to Hatsune Miku's millions of fans, the company uh, continued. We see this as one individual's way of expressing his appreciation for Hatsune, and we respect that. While acknowledging the traditional path to marriage, Kondo said he feels the shape of happiness and love is different for each person or each hologram, whichever the case may be. There definitely is a template for happiness where a real man and woman get married, have a child and live all together. But I don't believe such a template can necessarily make everyone happy, Kondo said. Both he um Kondo, whose parents were not present at the wedding, and his new bride each have wedding rings, okay, according to the outlet, a doll that resembles the bride reportedly wears the hologram's ring. So the hologram has a doll that reflects, anyway. The groom requested a marriage registration from the... uh, from Gatebox, a technology company that last year offered the documents for those who wanted to marry computer-generated personas, Reuters reports. However, the wedding reportedly did not have any legal grounds since the ceremony. Uh, Kondo told Reuters that people have reached out to him saying they were encouraged. He told the outlet, I think it was nice to have this wedding for that reason. I'm not sure what they were encouraged by, but there you have it. So I, I guess the question is that uh, you know if, if if you're going to a virtual wedding, does that mean you bring a virtual gift? All I want to know is, is there cake? Well, I hope that's not virtual too. Yeah, I, I hope not. We're going to take a break for news and traffic at the top of the hour. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Seven minutes after five o'clock is our time. James Blind happens to be here. He just wandered in. He's engineering and producing today's program. We're taking a look at the lighter side of the news as we anticipate the weekend coming. And uh, we did cover a few of the uh, headline events about the unresolved elections in Florida and uh, Georgia. And we'll continue to keep our eyes focused on any breaking news that might develop before the program ends today. Also, at the final segment of today's program, we'll let you know what to expect next week as we have the holiday coming up and a couple of specials we'll be featuring as well. Well, Apple has fixed the terrible bagel emoji design after social media expressed its outrage. Must be amazing to have enough time to express outrage over an emoji, but um, breakfast lovers everywhere rejoiced after learning that Apple took criticism surrounding one of their new emojis to heart. Uh, the tech giant gave users a sneak peek at the more than 70 emojis that would be released. Um, this was a couple of weeks ago. More than 70 new emojis were coming uh, to the iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Mac, and so on, including new characters with red hair, gray hair, curly hair, a new emoji for bald people, more emotive smiley faces, additional emojis representing animals, sports, and food. Well, that was all well and good, but the emoji representing the bagel apparently was just not sufficient. It didn't take long for customers to band together to voice concerns with one of the items. The bagel, New Yorkers in particular, had a problem with the dry bagel. Uh, I'm organizing a march in New York against Apple's just-revealed bagel emoji, wrote one, which comes out with the next iOS update. It looks like something uh, you get from a cardboard box in the freezer section of Walmart. 
This insult will not stand, one New York resident wrote on Twitter a day after uh, Apple introduced its new emoji. Well, they jumped right on it. Said another um, chiming in, also the top of the bagel is just a whole bagel, not uh, not even sliced. Um, I am on my way. I'm not sure what that means. I got to go with the New Yorkers on this. The the uh, That mass-produced bagel is a pile of chewy garbage, they went on to say. Now, realizing this is just a picture of a bagel, it's not intended to be eaten, um, consumed in any way, but nonetheless, it would not stand. The outrage continued for weeks with many encouraging Apple to consider at least adding cream cheese. In fact, uh, Philadelphia Cream Cheese uh, even started a Change.org petition to convince Apple to add a schmear, if you will, of cream cheese. More than 1,100 people signed the petition, agreeing with the uh, cream cheese brand that a dry bagel is simply unacceptable. And it went on from there. Well, long story short, uh, Apple took uh, took the whole thing seriously. And updated their bagel. Now, are you an iPhone guy or are you a, a Samsung guy? I, I have an Apple. You do? Yep. And have you ever in your lifetime used the bagel emoji? Uh, you know, I'm not a big emoji person, period. I, yeah. I, I, I like to use uh, the, the you know pictures and stuff, but not the little uh, little emoji icons. You know, pictures where they take little, you know, you have little moving pictures right, from right. movies and TV but those shows. those are called something else, aren't they? Uh, depending on how you say the word GIF or GIF. GIF, yeah. G-I-F. Is yep, a... Correct. Those I use all the time, but emojis. I don't even know so where much. to find one. I see them posted all the time, but where do you, of course, I don't have an iPhone, but where do you even go to find a, a G-I-F? Um, at least on, on mine, there's a database that you get access in the messaging software. Wow, that's a lot of trouble. Just pick up the phone and speak to someone, I suppose. Well, That's in our so outdated. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. In our um, our obsession with um, technology, sausage screaming has become a all the rage in videos. In fact, it's a viral new trend: people watching sausage being cooked and screaming. Well, in a, in a way, have the sausages stopped screaming? Clarice writes one. That variant on the creepy line from Silence of the Lambs is a kind of uh, fitting uh, way to summarize this whole thing because the YouTubers discovered that sausages can scream while being cooked. Numerous videos of sausages and hot dogs being cooked, this is in a frying pan, either on stovetops or in microwaves have started trending due to the uh, screechy noise that meats make when cooked. These are meats that are encased in whatever you put a sausage or a hot dog in, casings of some sort. Well, the weird thing about the videos is that the cooks don't seem to be doing anything unusual with the sausages. They're just cooking them at high heat. And when they shake the pan, the eerie moans emerge from the sausage. Apparently, the little meat products are having their worst day ever. And by the way, it's spelled W-U-R-S. Ha ha. Uh, You don't have to be a vegetarian to find the videos to be really disturbing. They're screaming. They don't want to be cooked and uh, eaten, says one observer. If you've seen the really um, uh, the videos, and there are apparently many of them on a line today, it can be somewhat disturbing, they tell us. Well, as the screeching sausage videos trended, so did the 2017 interview from the site called Extra Crispy, in which British food scientist Stuart Faramond uh, discussed how he's measured the decibel levels produced by sausage recipes dating back 
1845. Apparently has a lot of time on his hands. Well, Faramond told the site that uh, he held a decibel meter away from the sausage, which was cooked in a clean, lightly uh, oiled pan at 160 degrees um, Celsius, 320 Fahrenheit. He discovered that today's sausages just don't make as much noise as those made from older recipes, noting that it's because they are more lean and combine or rather contain less moisture. So there you have it. If you don't have a thing to do in life, you can look up sausage screaming on the Internet. And then the study that compares the sounds made by today's sausages and hot dogs to those made centuries ago. Wow. Well, Orioles may be getting even more stuff in their cookies, according to a foodie site. If you're a big fan of big Orioles, your life is about to get a whole lot better. If the Instagram snack rumor mill is to be believed, double stuff Orioles will no longer be the biggest chocolate sandwich cookie on the market. Oh, yes, the most stuff Oreo may be hitting store shelves soon. So if you didn't get enough with the extra stuff, the double stuff, the more stuff, or or rather most, is still coming. According to a post from the Snack Food Instagrammer, the most stuff Oreo is coming soon. Their post includes uh, what they claim is an actual product photo featuring two massive Oreos. Um, And if uh, if you're not a scientist, you can see by just simply looking uh, that it's not just the double stuff, but perhaps triple or quadruple the stuff. So Orioles are always emerging, evolving, changing, appealing to the ever-changing tastes of Oreo fans. As of now, the most stuff Oreo is just a rumor. The Daily Meal has reached out to Oreo for more information. If the most stuff Oreo comes to stores near you, it would just be the latest and greatest innovation from our favorite sandwich cookie manufacturer. In recent months, Oreo has announced it's moving its um, sustainable cocoa uh, dropped a festival Mickey Mouse birthday cookie and introduced some truly outrageous flavors overseas. And while you're at the store picking up a box of whatever seasonal Oreo you prefer, be sure to grab the best store-bought co- uh, chocolate chip cookie out there. So I, I admit I separate the cookies. I eat the stuff in the middle mm-hmm. and then the cookies. I'm not sure I want all that much. In this case, most um, stuffing in the in the cookie, but it's coming out apparently. You know, it's funny. We were just talking, my wife and I, last week about Oreos and specifically how you eat them. And uh, we, we occasionally will have a, a package of Oreos in the house, and uh, they're typically a snack that we don't break out until uh, after the three-year-old has gone to bed mm-hmm. um, so as not to have to deal with that drama. Um, and to our knowledge, it never had an Oreo before. She managed to get a hold of one that had fallen down, I think. And the next thing we know, we see her with one half in one hand the other half in the other hand, and using her teeth to scrape the the uh, middle off. And like, how is it that instinctual? Is it second nature? I mean, what how, we didn't teach her this, and yet she's basically got it right. Well, there you have it. It's in the genes. It must be. It's embedded in all of us. Seventeen minutes after five o'clock, we'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 21 minutes after 5 o'clock. You're listening to the Fun Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show featuring James Blend and his band of brothers. Well, Doritos, as it turns out, are more than just a junk food for teenagers with munchies. 
They helped deputies in San Bernardino, California, lure a pig the size of a mini horse back home. Simple Doritos. I'm not sure which flavor. There are several versions of them now. Well, the sheriff's department wrote online on Sunday that deputies learned of a runaway pig. And due to previous calls, they knew where the pig lived. Well, the responding deputies lured him back home with Doritos. One of the deputies had in her lunch bag and the hungry pig followed the trail. Uh, We were able to put him back in and secure the gate, the deputy said, and also said it was pretty fun. This is a huge pig, and it's rather interesting to see the pig walking down the middle of the street with a deputy facing the pig, but it's his back turned to uh, the street that he's luring the, uh, the pig down, just dropping Doritos and the pig stopping to eat one after the other all the way home. And a gecko, no kidding, placed phone calls from a marine mammal hospital in Hawaii. Now, how he did it, how she did it, we're not quite sure, but veterinarian and seal expert Claire Simone was just about to settle down and enjoy her lunch when her cell phone rang. Work was calling, and as director of the Marine Mammal Center's Kikaiola Hawaiian, well, it goes on from there. Anyway, she picked up immediately. As a veterinarian, I'm really on call for any type of questions or emergencies that come through, she said, speaking to the Washington Post noting that the hospital is administering care to four endangered Hawaiian monk seals. But when Simone answered her phone, she was greeted not by a member of her staff calling with an urgent seal-related question. Instead, she was met with complete silence. No breathing, not even a cackle of static. Well, in the span of 15 minutes, her phone rang nine times. Each call, identical. All from the same number. And an eerie silence. Well, the first thing she thought was that there was some kind of an emergency because she started getting call after call in really rapid succession. There was no seal emergency at the hospital, just a tiny emerald green gecko with um, dexterous feet and access to a landline phone with a touch screen. Now, how the thing managed to call the same number over and over again is something of a mystery. In a now viral Twitter thread, Simone detailed Friday her hunt for the source of the mysterious calls delighting thousands with what was uh, described as 100% the most Hawaii story ever. You are not going to believe this story, she tweeted on the 5th of October. It's one of the best things I've experienced this year. Hold on tight for this roller coaster. Well, after receiving the barrage of bizarre calls, fearing something had happened to one of the SEALs, she tweeted she abandoned her lunch plans and raced back to the hospital as quickly as she could. More calls, she tweeted me um, minutes later. Nine calls in 15 minutes. She started to panic just a bit and drive back to the hospital. Seal emergency, I am on it, she said to herself. While arriving at the center, expecting to see staff members in the frenzy, she told the Post she found everyone outside on the patio eating their lunches, completely calm. I was like, I don't know if she was actually, but she was at least like, guys, what's up? What's wrong? She told her staff she'd been uh, getting a handful of calls from them. They said, well, nobody's inside. Then Simone said her phone rang again. The call was definitely coming from inside the hospital, and everybody was uh, really confused about what could have been going on. Well, soon other people started calling the hospital, wondering why they were being uh, called incessantly. Well, she wrote on Twitter that that's when she and the rest of the staff realized there must be something wrong with the phones. Well, uh, they confirmed that, yes, a... Bazillion calls were coming from one line, but um, 
they couldn't figure out who was making those calls while searching for answers. She sought help from Hawaiian Telecom, the hospital's phone service provider. Uh, They were like, I'm not sure the like was really necessary, but I'm quoting. Uh, Maybe one of your lines is uh, on the fritz. Well, the company representative confirmed that a bazillion calls were coming from one line inside the hospital, thus began the hunt for what she believed to be the glitchy phone. Was it in the main office? Nope. Nor was it a phone in her personal office or the hospital's fish kitchen. Meanwhile, she received calls uh, the whole time, off and on, off and on. Finally, she entered the hospital's laboratory, and there it was, the phone responsible for the calls. Only upon closer inspection or examination of the phone did she discover the true culprit. There's a gecko sitting on the touchscreen of the, of the phone, making calls with his tiny gecko feet, she tweeted. This gecko has called me 15 times and everyone in our recent call list. She posted a picture of the gecko on her phone, captioning, uh, uh, captioning the picture, an uh, actual photo of telemarketer. Well, caught red-handed, green-footed perhaps, in the middle of the call, the mischievous critters scampered away, turning on the landline smartphone in the process. I had no idea that a, ge- that a gecko rather uh, would be heavy enough to call the touchscreen, even uh, or rather every time that she um, shifted, his, uh, shifted uh, her feet or his feet or whatever it was, he would call somebody else uh, on the recent call list. Well, geckos are found on every continent except Antarctica and particularly abundant in Hawaii on the islands, usually weigh about 3.5 ounces, uh, vary in length from uh, 1 to 12 inches. Someone said the phone-obsessed reptile, which was not a patient at the hospital, was about 6 inches long, including his tail. She added that the gecko was probably attracted to the warmth of the phone's touchpad. The Hawaiian Telecom representative was equally surprised when uh, the explanation was given, remarking, well, I haven't heard that one before, according to her tweet. Well, the wily interloper, however, wasn't done with the games just yet. Simone said she got another call and went back to the lab to find the gecko once again perched on the touchscreen. This time, she said she managed to catch the gecko and return it outside to a much more suitable leaf. He's all good, Simone said with a laugh on her Twitter account. In fact, the gecko is more than good. It's employed at the hospital. Well, he's definitely not telecommunications, Simone said, when asked to elaborate on the gecko's new job. He is one of our guest experience specialists now. This is a real position, Simone said, part of the hospital's education team, dedicated to making sure everyone who comes for a visit has a great experience. I'd say he's thriving at that right now. Well, on social media, each of her tweets has been Uh, Liked thousands of times. It was hilarious, tweeted one observer. And some couldn't resist the brand association. He wanted to tell you that you can save 15% or more by switching to Geico, (laughs) tweeted another, or actually several others. I totally answer the phone if a gecko was calling me, another person tweeted. Well, Simone said it totally uh, tickles her to see all the responses, adding that many people can relate to receiving random calls, albeit largely from telemarketers or wrong numbers, not geckos. People really connect with that little experience, but also find it totally ridiculous that this happened. And there you have it, how a gecko made several phone calls at a hospital. 29 minutes after 5 o'clock. Back in a moment. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 52, actually that's 32 minutes after 5 o'clock. 30 Four minutes after five o'clock. It's been a long week. 
Uh, James Blend is here. We're winding our way through some of the lighter side of the news, which we don't typically have the time to cover during the course of the week. Well, journalist Laura Krantz never gave Bigfoot a lot of thought and even considered the mythical creature to be nothing more than tabloid fodder. However, when she realized that hunting for the infamous Sasquatch was in her blood, she embarked on a year-long exploration to uncover America's fascination with a beast in the woods. Now, do you think there is a creature known as Sasquatch or Bigfoot? Do you think this creature exists? I mean, there are gorillas and things that would fit that description, but in the United States, Pacific Northwest, places in Asia, do you think there's a creature that is yet to be discovered? I mean, I think there are plenty of creatures yet to be discovered if one of them actually fits the mold of the the so-called Sasquatch or what, you know, what Yeti, uh, Yeti, and, Yeti and you know the other things that uh, it's been called over the years. I tend to lean towards no, but uh, I wouldn't lose my faith <laughs> or anything like that <laughs> should I be proven incorrect. Well, her journey through the world of Bigfoot was uh, chronicled in her new podcast, Wild Thing, where she leaves no stone unturned in both looking for Bigfoot as well as getting an idea of what kind of people his myth attracts. Well, she revealed, uh, revealed rather that uh, in a, a recent interview that her personal hunt began when she stumbled upon a random article in the Washington Post about a man named Grover Krantz. Um, they had the same last name and she started reading it and uh, he just seemed to uh, be a total weirdo in her words. Well, Grover was a, a bit of an eccentric, but a scientist uh, through and through. He donated his body to the University of Tennessee's body farm, uh, was known for measuring people's cranium with his trusty caliper, according to the article. So that's also weird. Here's this guy who is clearly a scientist down to his core. And then there's this sort of throwaway section about Bigfoot. Bigfoot, rather, and I'm going, she says. Uh, okay, who is this guy? So she started checking him out. When I came across this guy's name and started reading about him, that sort of made me think Bigfoot. So part of what I wanted to uh, to do was say, okay, I'm going to suspend disbelief for a minute and see what's out there. Uh, not only am I going to explore Bigfoot and what's out there, but uh, this subculture of American society that's interested in this and spends a lot of time, money, and effort trying to seek the creature out. Well, the average person likely has a mental image in his head of someone who hunts for Bigfoot that involves a um, tinfoil hat and a wall of conspiracy theories, while the Bigfoot hunting community is not without its more conspiracy-minded members. She said she wanted to um, uh, show uh, in her investigation the same spirit as her scientifically-minded relative. Uh, she did explore not only the myth of the Bigfoot or the possibility or probability of it, but also those who find it interesting. Well, she wrote that the most compelling stuff has really been the eyewitness accounts. You talk to people who really are experienced woodsmen, experienced outdoorsmen who have a background in wildlife biology and ecology, and they tell these stories that'll make your hair stand up on the back of your neck. Uh, they clearly experienced something that's inexplicable in any other way, at least in their minds. Granted, I haven't experienced any of it for myself, she says, but they just have a uh, have a um, gravitas about them, and I don't feel like they're uh, telling a tale. Well, through Wild Things, she got to report on uh, an often unreported piece of Bigfoot evidence, some unexplained large nests in the, the Washington woods. On the Olympic Peninsula, Peninsula she was uh, brought... Uh, to these nests that she describes as being between 8 and 10 feet across, 
woven uh, similarly to birds' nests. She says no one quite knows how they got there, but stopped short of confirming they are evidence of Bigfoot. Now, there would be some DNA somehow connected with it, one would imagine. While it's not evidence that there is a Bigfoot, she said, it's certainly evidence that there's a natural um, behaviors that we don't know about. Imagine that. I know we have the conceit that we have pretty much discovered everything and know everything, and there are things we still don't know about. But nonetheless, um, this is one of them. That's the other side of this that I'm finding interesting as people are out looking for creatures like Bigfoot, Loch Ness, and Yeti. They make discoveries about the natural world. Whether or not it comports with their preconceptions, we don't know, but it's an interesting investigation, and the truth is we don't know everything. One thing we've recently discovered, however, is that a venomous spider whose bites are potentially medically significant was spotted in Oregon for the first time. Um, That was in uh, October. Uh, The brown widow is native to Africa and only known to be in California, Gulf states and Florida in the United States, according to the ODA. It's like a uh, it likes to stay hidden and in dark places, according to officials. The spider is known for having an orange hourglass on the side of its body. It has uh, spiny egg sacs that can be found in dark corners and other sheltered areas. Brown widow venom is similar to black widow venom, according to the ODA. If you believe you found a brown widow, take pictures of it and notify the ODA um, at uh, their website or by giving them a call. Uh, sort of an interesting, that's the Oregon Department of Agriculture, by the way, an interesting transplant. They found one and are now trying to discover if there are others. Well, people spent record amounts of money on Halloween costumes for their pets. Look out uh, for lizards dressed as waiters, dogs dressed as Cleopatra, cats wearing tutus. Um, That was, of course, back on Halloween. Pets are getting roped into Halloween madness, whether they like it or not. As more consumers are shelling out ever-climbing sums to costume their beloved animals who think they're crazy. More than 30 million people spent an estimated $480 million treating their pets to costumes this year. More than double the $220 million spent uh, on costumes in 2010 when the National Retail Federation began tracking pet costumes. The National Retail Federation says Americans will spend $9 billion celebrating this year, slightly lower than uh, the 9.1 last year on costumes, cards, and decorations. Uh, pet costumes represent 15% of the $3.2 billion spent on all costume sales. More than 31 million people will purchase uh, pet costumes uh, up from $28 million last year. Millennials aged 25 to 34 years uh, are the most likely to dress their animals up, often posting their uh, animals in their outfits, you guessed it, on social media. One of the very first pennies produced in the United States, estimated uh, to be worth $1 million, was auctioned in Baltimore. The 1792 Birch Cent was auctioned by Stax Bowers Gallery at the Whitman Expo in Baltimore in um, October. Commissioned by Thomas Jefferson, only a handful of these Birch Cents were in fact minted as an example of what the newly formed U.S. government was considering producing. The coins were seen firsthand by Jefferson and George Washington, according to the auction house. This is the first American cent ever produced and represents a very unique piece of of um, uh, history, says Brian Kendrella, president of the Stax Bowers Gallery, in a statement. It's um, 
the only one of its kind, making it a very exclusive coin to own. The collector who ends up with this uh, birch scent will have the satisfaction of knowing that it is very likely uh, was held by our founding fathers, the nation's founding fathers, making it a very special piece of American history as well. But they would have laughed, I would imagine, at the thought that their 1792 penny is now worth a million dollars. Hmm. Well, a 69-year-old Dutchman is battling to legally reduce his age by 20 years so he can get more work and attract more women on tender. Emil Rattlebland, he uh, argues that if you can, uh, if you're allowed to change your sex at will, he should be allowed to change his uh, the date of his birth because doctors said he has the body of a 45-year-old. The motivational speaker, a media personality in the Netherlands, is suing his local authority after they refused to amend his age on an official document. He was born in 1949, but says he feels at least 20 years younger and wants to change his birth date to the 11th of March, 1969. He was uh, converted to, uh, or he had converted to Buddhism and said, I have done a checkup and what does it show? My biological age is 45 years. However, the state in the Netherlands isn't quite so uh, ready to join him in this effort. The Dutchman said he was discriminated against because of his age on a daily basis. He complains that companies are reluctant to hire someone and uh, the age of a pensioner as a consultant. And he says he's, um, uh, his move would also be a good news for, uh, for the government as he would be renouncing his pension until he reaches retirement age again. So far, he has not succeeded, but we'll see what happens next. Meanwhile, a Pakistani martial artist used his head to crack 243 walnuts, besting a Guinness World Record set earlier this year. And yes, the question, why, looms. Mohammed Rashid Nasim, 32, of Karachi, he posted a video on Facebook showing his official Guinness World Record attempt for most walnuts, uh, walnuts rather, cracked against the head in one minute. The video shows him successfully crushing 243. He beat the previous Guinness record, which was set by Indian um, S. Navin Kamar in September when he crushed 217 walnuts with his head. Congratulations to all. By the way, a rice cracker, um, Mona Lisa, also broke a record for the largest rice cracker mosaic. Uh, Some 200 people used 23,360 crackers to span nearly 1,250 square feet and create a rendering of the famous Mona Lisa painting. Rosie the Riveter gathered in Michigan to set a Guinness World Record. 3,734 women were counted in that one. And a celebrity in the Philippines broke a Guinness World Record by gathering nearly 7,000 people to put on lipstick all at once, there was a life-size Lego camping trailer that broke the Guinness record. It uh, confirmed the replica of a 1973 Viscount Royal constructed from 300,000 Lego bricks, beat the previous record for world's largest Lego caravan by 73,472 bricks. But wait, there's more. A Washington State karaoke host raised money for um, breast cancer awareness by singing the same Garth Brooks song for 36 hours straight. Cliff Satterwhite, a Seattle-area karaoke host, said he was raising the money for 
the Real Man Wear Pink Breast Cancer Awareness Campaign and marked October's Breast Cancer Month. And there you have it, real heroes of our time. You know, we've talked about it so many times before, but it just reinforces we got to figure something else out to get in this book. It's obviously very easy. (laughs) Apparently so. All right. We might have a record of having talked about Guinness World Record holders and breakers. That's a question. How many times uh, was the world record for bringing up their desire to create a world record but not actually go after that world record? We need to look into it. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Fifty minutes after five o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, the report ranking the best drivers in wet weather is not kind to we Portland residents. Allstate America's Best Drivers Report for 2018 includes the 200 largest cities in America and ranks them for safe wet weather driving by factoring in average annual precipitation with collision frequency in each city. Now, Portland checks in 10 spots from the bottom at 190. According to the rankings, Portland drivers average 5.9 years between collision claims, worse than the national average of 10 years between claims. Drivers in Portland also average 22.4 hard-breaking events per 1,000 miles, worse than the national average of 19. A hard-breaking event is defined by Allstate as slowing down by 8 miles per hour or more per second, uh, which can indicate unsafe driving behavior, such as following too closely, aggressive or distracted driving. Heartbreaking events are tracked by Allstate's DriveWise telemetrics system, which, no, I don't get it. Anyway, other Northwest cities that didn't fare too well either. Uh, Salem, 128. Vancouver, 151. Bellevue, 157. Tacoma, 167. And uh, Seattle at 179. Hmm. Well, the list isn't just an exercise to inspire complaints about how terrible the drivers were uh, where we live are. Allstate said it hopes the rankings will help encourage safe drivers across the country by celebrating the safest driving cities and lending a hand in bottom ranked um, uh, ranking cities. Uh, They hope that uh, they can help Americans protect themselves before they get on the roads this holiday season and ultimately help save lives. Allstate shared the following safety tips to help prevent collisions. Do a systems check. Make sure your headlights and brake lights are working and uh, check your tires, heater, defroster, brakes, windshield wipers, windshield washer fluid uh, levels. Use an alternative route. Don't drive through standing water or roads or in parking lots. You can stall your engine. Uh, Take it easy. Give yourself extra time to get where you're going, increasing following distance, traveling at slower speeds and accounting for extra shopping time will help avoid collisions and stay alert. Give the road uh, your undivided attention. That's especially important with slick roads and other potentially dangerous conditions. And don't panic. If your vehicle starts to slide or skid, don't slam on the brakes. Look down the road in the direction you want to go and gently steer that way. Release the accelerator until traction returns and have an emergency kit gloves boots blankets flares water jumper cables a flashlight and something for traction like sand or cat litter could do more uh, could rather uh, all come in handy if a problem arises and finally download drivewise it's free to any consumer drivewise provides personalized real-time uh, driving feedback such as how many hard-breaking events you have and allow you to earn rewards for safe driving As the holidays approach, something to think about.
Well, speaking of thinking about things, next week, of course, is Thanksgiving week. And while I can hardly believe it's upon us already, I wanted to give you a brief glimpse of what we're planning to do next week. On Monday, we're looking forward to talking with Catherine and Ross Petrus, at least one of the pair. The book is titled, That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means, The 150 Most Commonly Misused Words and Their Tangled Histories. It's kind of a fun uh, examination of how we communicate. On Tuesday, we'll talk with Jonathan McKee, The Bullying Breakthrough, Real Help for Parents and Teachers of the Bullied, Bystanders and Bullies. And uh, looking forward to that. And then also in the latter part of the program, probably in the five o'clock hour, I'm going to be joined in studio by one of my fellow travelers. We're going to talk about the Indian adventure that we just concluded days ago. On Wednesday, we have a Thanksgiving special for you as we anticipate the holiday that uh, approaches on Thursday. And then our annual special on Squanto on Thursday. Friday will be the best of the Georgine Rice Show, and we'll be back and live in studio on Monday. By the way, just want to remind you that the Friday after Thanksgiving is the first day of the Portland Singing Christmas Tree. Uh, there will be performances that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Then the following Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, I know folks love the singing Christmas tree, and I so often hear from people who say, oh, I'm planning on going this year. And oftentimes they say it after the tree has concluded its performances. Now, as I mentioned with um, uh, Wes Walterman in our interview earlier this week, the tickets prices have been reduced to accommodate the budgets of uh, uh, Portland metro area would-be attendees, and you can find out more about that on the website, singingchristmastree.org. Again, singingchristmastree.org, or you can call the uh, ticket office at 503-557-8733. That's 503-557-TREE-8733. And I want to remind you that this year, Katie Harmon is back as a featured soloist uh, with the Singing Christmas Tree along with the Jefferson Dancers, the Kids Choir. We've got more than 300 voices, and it's going to be a tremendous performance, 26 new songs, cinematic nativity, and uh, a lot of what will happen during this performance uh, reflects a survey that the Singing Christmas Tree did of uh, folks right here in our community, what they like, what they didn't like as much, what they'd like to see, and uh, this this year will reflect all of that. A new sensational holiday extravaganza, again, November the 23rd through the 30th, and then December, uh, I should say December, let's start over, November 23rd through the 25th, and then November 29th through December 2nd. Check it out on the website. You can get all those, uh, all those dates. All right. Um, we just learned that the four-month e-scooter pilot program is coming to an end. And uh, more than 2,000 scooters will be taken off the streets by their parent company. The program started back in July, and its um, last day will be Tuesday, November the 20th, according to um, numbers from the Portland Bureau of Transportation. There have been more than 643,000 trips taken by taken rather, and 740,000 miles ridden. The average trip length was about 1.2 miles. Three scooter companies participated in this pilot program. Skip, Bird, and Lime. Hmm. Under the pilot program, the scooter companies were asked to place 50% of their uh, fleet in East Portland, but at least one of the companies wasn't following that rule and was fined. Skip now owes about $9,000. Ouch. And if, you're, uh, if you've been enjoying the scooters, don't worry. They may ha- uh, not have gone forever. In early 2019, the city will share findings from the program 
and get input from the community about the future of scooters in Portland. Some of us have mixed feelings about that, but there you have it. By the way, a private company called Frog Ferry is going to make a proposal or made one uh, to state transportation officials today to create a passenger ferry that would first run from Vancouver to downtown Portland. In the latter phases, the passenger service would include a start in Lake Oswego with a stop in Milwaukee. I'm not sure how that happens, but where Oregon City residents would also embark. The ferry will carry 149 passengers, allow bicycles, according to preliminary information released by the company. And a formal presentation uh, was made today before the Oregon Transportation Commission. The concept has the support of the, uh, the mayor, Ted Wheeler, who can hardly wait for his term to be up, we're told, and Governor Kate Brown. The Frog Ferry effort is led by um, uh, the executive at uh, the Port of Portland and the state. Uh, The founder, Susan Bladholm, is the co-founder of Cycle Oregon and now works for a global aviation services company. The Vancouver, Lake Oswego, and Milwaukee dock locations are not specified. Other potential uh, docking spots include the Salmon Street Spring, uh, Springs, rather, OMSI, the Rose, uh, Rose Quarter, Esplanade, and OHSU South Waterfront. The name of the company is derived from Chinook mythology. The frog character was tasked with weaving a net to allow humans to catch salmon, and the uh, outcome so monumental it protected him from harm. So there you have it. We may have ourselves a little fairy. All right. We're out of time. want to thank James Blind for engineering and producing today's program. And thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.